0: This is Karen Kelly and you're listening to An Appetite for Life. There's a great mix on this show with various topics, amazing guests and the occasional celebrity guests. So today we've got a rather fragile topic as I introduce human rights advocate Dawn Mansky. Whose, whose mission is to empower women around the world through dignified employment in the fight against human trafficking. And she's also founder of Made for Freedom. So welcome, Dawn. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so
1: much. I'm happy to be here.
0: So just briefly for our listeners, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and what it is, what it is you do?
1: Well, Made for Freedom is a social enterprise. We have products made by survivors of human trafficking And those coming out of marginalized situations. So we partner with centers around the world that are providing services, providing counseling, therapy, rescue, but also providing the training and employment so that men and women that have been in vulnerable situations or have been exploited, have dignified employment, can support themselves and move forward in life.
0: So let's go back to how how it all started and how you got got involved, because you you were a teacher, weren't you? And you taught English and you you love to travel and you lived in China for 10 years. Wow. So first of all, what, what was the
1: attraction to China? Why China? When I was in college, I I saw demonstrations going on and just was my heart was breaking for people of this, of similar age in China. And I really felt like God was calling me to go to China. And now we look at back, we look back at that situation. I was watching college students demonstrate and um, d- do hunger fasts and, you know, gatherings for their freedom and for democracy and things like that. Today, we look back at, at that and we, we call that the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Because this was leading up to when the army was called in, so I was watching news reports of college students. I was in college, and I thought, "Wow, there are probably a lot of similarities between me and these people." But I obviously there are differences. They're in China. I don't know anything about China. And then a few days late, and I was just I was praying for these students because they obviously were longing for things and they wanted desperately for things to change. And I was praying for them. And a few days later was Tiananmen massacre, which was uh, Tiananmen square massacre, which was June 4th of 89. And my heart just kind of broke. And I felt like God was calling me to go to China. And I was like, I'm still in college. But I went over for a summer and I started studying Chinese and I ended up, after I graduated from college, I moved there. I got a teaching job. I worked in a few different cities. I was in Shanghai, oh, Chengdu first. Chengdu, Shanghai, Beijing. I spent eight years in Beijing. And and
0: of course, you, you speak Mandarin, don't you? Is, is it Mandarin they call it in China? Mandarin. Yeah, yeah of course it Mandarin.
1: is. Yeah. Well, they don't call it that in China. They call no. it No. <laughs> 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 what do they call it in China? Tonghua. Oh. But that's the Chinese way to say Mandarin. Mandarin, yeah. But yes, (laughs) in English we would say Mandarin instead of (laughs) Cantonese. So anyway, I ended up living in China for 10 years. And while I was there, a friend of mine actually moved to Beijing because she was aware of the trafficking situation. And at that time, it wasn't really called trafficking. It was exploitation for sure. But there wasn't a term that we use as readily as we use trafficking now. People people are beginning to understand what trafficking is, but that wasn't really the term. But she was the one who kind of introduced me to this. And she came to Beijing to help children that had been trafficked to the big cities. So a lot of families in the rural areas would, and it, it if you boil it down, it sounds like they sold their children. But it's not actually the situation. Extreme poverty is a one of the main vulnerabilities that people face. When they couldn't afford started. to feed and look after their children. Right, right. If you, don't, if you don't know how to survive, if you're barely surviving, you're barely able to feed your children, and someone comes along and says, I can offer your child a better future, I can take them to the big city, and they can get a job, and they can make lots of money, and support themselves, and they can send money back to you. That sounds like a good deal. It sounds how
0: old the how old are the children, Dawn? That they're offering to these kids were ten. Yeah, so I mean, of course, that would never happen over here, would it? But is that how vulnerable? You know, they would be thinking, yeah, of course. At age ten, they're happy for their child to be taken away
1: from them. because the big city is full of money and full of opportunity but these kids then have no education they're being run by a boss we just call them the boss um it would be called a trafficker in, in today's language but the boss would bring them to the big city and they'd have apartments with like 15 kids sleeping on the floor and the kids were required to go out like late afternoon and beg or clean windows or sell flowers whatever they could do to make money and all the money had to go back to the boss and the kids were just kind of one running wild well my friend would actually go and get to know the kids and she they all knew her by name and she would take them on outings and eventually she would get them away from the boss and she started a school for them
0: so I helped on it
1: yeah, it was really awesome and, and very brave
0: were, though as well. Very brave move to do that.
1: Yeah, and there were times that obviously the bosses were not happy with her because yeah. they were removed. She was taking away revenue, uh, income that they were that they were making. And there were times that the kids needed to come and stay at my place because the bosses were on a rampage and there were times that she would get kicked out of her place immediately and you know there were so i would step in and kind of help and i you know that's how i got to know these kids and that's how i saw the things that were happening and and this exploitation of the vulnerable and so after i was after i left china i came back to the united states i was in grad school and while i was at grad school i was I was at an informational lunch, and it was a, it was a video um, put out by IJM, International Justice Mission, and it had, a, it had an interview. It was like this undercover, like, you know, hidden camera thing, so it's this guy going to, like, the back alleys of Cambodia asking to, for the youngest girls he can find, you know, and these guys... Are just like oh sure we'll take you to some young girls and and you see this whole thing unfold and you know you're watching through this hidden camera thing and he gets ushered into a room and they bring in maybe five seven girls and some of them look like they're maybe seven and it's these girls and they're just standing there looking at this guy going okay well what now and and they weren't necessarily selling all of them for intercourse some of it was for oral sex you know and. Um, these girls are like, it's just, it's disgusting. And, and I remember watching this and my stomach just turned and I thought, there are little girls growing up like this. How is it that this, how is it that this is happening in our world? And how is it that we have people that want this? And how is it that there are people that are forcing little girls to grow up like this? Like none of this is, is something that I can comprehend. But was it not
0: policed at all, Dawn? Because I know one thing from doing my research and and listening to other podcasts with you, you soon realised that you were aware of the devaluation of girls. Girls are not as well thought of as the male species. Of course, the male species can go out to work and earn money. But was it not policed, you know, and any protection for these children?
1: You know, I I think it depends on... this. It has kind of a different... Form and shape in every country yeah in every society you know there are countries that devaluation of the girl child is so extreme you know there are countries where if you find out that you're having a baby girl while you're pregnant people offer sympathy because that's not any way to that, that you're not not going to be supported by a daughter because the daughter marries the young man and the young if you have a son the son is going to take care of you in your old age and the son is going to be able to get good jobs and be able to help you and bring in money a daughter is just an expense you have to feed her you have and in some cases you have to create a dowry so it actually costs you money just to get her married off so this devaluation is very different in all societies. I mean, in the United States, we feel like, you know, women are not treated equally. And I'm like, that's absolutely true, but it is nothing compared nothing, You can't to,
0: compare, can you? No, not at all. No, no,
1: no, no one comparison. offers sympathy when you say I'm having a baby girl. And and there there are baby girls, gosh, there are more baby girls aborted, abandoned, and killed in India and China than there are born in the United States.
0: So does that, is that, is that current as well? Is it still rife now? That,
1: and I, as I was saying it, I was like, that was true maybe five years ago. And yeah. I don't know if it, I know that China has done a lot to try and help public understanding because for so long, the girls were not being valued and being abandoned, aborted, and killed, and um, and that that is that doesn't work for society. You end up with all Can't these young men it. who have no one to marry, you know, and then that feeds into the trafficking thing because you have girls that don't belong in in so many cultures. This was a really powerful statement that I read. Um, There's a book by Louise Brown called Sex Limbs that really gives some good insight. And she's looking more kind of at the India version of trafficking. But this statement is the value of a woman comes from the men she's associated with. Either she's the daughter of this man, she's the sister of this man, she's the wife of this man, or she's the mother of this man that's her value. So if for some reason her father passes away, that that value is gone. gone if she yeah. has no brothers, if she has no husband, she has no son. If she doesn't have a relationship with a man that gives her value, it's kind and of she's like- She's not worth she anything at all in their eyes, is she? Right, but it's also, she made this amazing statement and it was like, if she doesn't belong to any man, she belongs to all men and that puts her in such an incredibly vulnerable situation and it's kind of like well she's a woman and she doesn't belong to anyone else so why not yeah yeah she's she she's property for everyone and what's also
0: interesting is that once these children are taken away from their families the families don't want them back
1: right right I was
0: heartbreaking yeah um so the orphanages are full of children, aren't they? Full of these children.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of them. Or they're, or they're on the streets. Yeah. Or, you know, I went, I went on a research trip to India just to learn more about trafficking. And um, we went to this, gosh, it was this beautiful, it was, a, it was a national holiday. And there were a group of like 15 of us that were just doing a research trip. And just trying to better understand how do you help women coming out of this situation. So we went to visit a safe house where girls who had been brought out of the red light district, brought out of brothels, were being kept. And they were being nurtured and cared for, all of that. Well, we went in. I mean, we were just there to celebrate National Day. And we made jewelry. We didn't even speak the same language. I had the really amazing opportunity to teach a fundamental song, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, I'm like, this should be easy enough. And so we're all singing and laughing and, you know, just trying to get to, trying to have a nice time, even though we don't communicate in the same language. Yeah. And there was this one young lady in the back of the room who just, she looked like she, she just wanted to dissolve into the wall. And We all noticed it because the other young ladies seemed to be so vibrant and so active and involved. Um, And we asked about this one young lady and she had been trafficked into, from her family and she'd been sent into a red light district. She'd been there for a while and has, was rescued. They were able to get in touch with her family. And she just found out that day that her family didn't want her back.
0: So she's 15
1: years old, Yeah, very little, if any, education. She's not even in her home. This was, this was in Kolkata, which is in West Bengal, India. And the girls, there were about a third from Nepal, a third from West Bengal, and a third from Bangladesh. So some of these girls aren't even in their country, but they have been sold for sex. They have been used and exploited and now rescued. And they can't even go back to family. And so then they're must be
0: frightened to death. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And we all just we were, we were all heartbroken for this young lady. And yes. you know, but it's also moments like that that we're so we're so instrumental in me saying, okay, I have got to do something. Like this is so wrong and so evil. What in the world can I do?
0: We're just going to take a short break and we'll be back shortly. Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients for the detection, diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer, heart disease and other illnesses. One of their main aims is to democratise genetic testing, meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and healthcare to detect any problems at an early stage, when they are most treatable. They also offer a COVID testing service, which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers, and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. So tell us, yes, yeah, so or tell us all about Made for Freedom. <laughs> so- this is fantastic. I love the sound of these Creobellis, Creobellis pants, are
1: they? Creobelly pants.
0: Creobelly pants. Yes. Yeah. So you saved these girls through pants. So tell us all about <laughs> it. Tell us all about it. When I first read it, I was thinking we call knickers pants here. Knickers. Yes. Yes. so pants and trousers it's it's really funny so yeah tell
1: us all about how you <laughs> created made for freedom yeah so the kind of part of that research trip I was um, I was introduced to so I I was learning about this horrible issue right I lived in China I saw it I met children I saw this video and then um and and then I had these really fun pants. I purchased them as a, when I vacationed at one point in Thailand while living in China. So in the United States, you want to go to a beach, you go to Florida. When you live in China, you want to go to a beach, you go to Thailand. So I went and I bought these fisherman pants. Loved them. They're
0: really baggy pants. I know for our listeners, they can't see, but they're kind of bag, baggy on the hips, aren't they? They're really comfortable pants.
1: Well, yes, they're very comfortable. They're very baggy, yeah, front sure. and back. And when you open them, they look like they could hold a person three times your size. And so a lot of people get intimidated by them because you hold them up and they're massive. They're like, that's not my size. But what you do is you they're huge you wrap them, you, Yeah. You wrap them around and then you tie them. And so they fit everybody for the most part. And so I found these pants, love them. Okay, fast forward. I'm learning about this issue. My heart's breaking. The two things, so there were two things that kind of worked with this issue. I learned about social enterprise. I I had seen examples, but there was this one pair of sandals that I saw. I was engaged. I was, we were visiting some friends with my fiance and I saw these sandals that were made by women um, and because of the jobs that they had making these sandals, they had come from very vulnerable situations, but they were making these sandals and their lives were changed because of the education and the careers that they had opportunity for. And they would have had a, a sense of purpose, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. So the, I read the story about these sandals. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I told my fiance, I was like, look at these sandals. I gave every hint under the sun. And... <laughs> He didn't catch it, but <laughs> the lady that was with us remembered and called him and said, Hey, Don really liked these sandals. So that was a wedding gift from my husband and another friend who was friends of mine in Beijing, but currently like when I got married, I was living in Thailand and she said, what can I bring you for the wedding? And I said, I'm nothing personal Karen, but she's, she's actually from Wales. But my British friends, my Welsh friends, you guys are so formal and so polite. (laughs) She said, what can I bring you for the wedding? I said, you are coming to my wedding. You don't need to bring a gift. But I know her. And I'm like, she's going to bring me a gift because she's just that formal. Uh, And I said, okay, if you have to bring me something, bring me some Thai fisherman pants because I love these pants and I can't find them in the United States. And she did. So... For my wedding, I get this pair of sandals, which is like this amazing story of a, of a social enterprise, and I get some more of these pants. Well, Karen, what do you think I'm wearing the next day when we go on our wedding? Did you wear them I'm, for the wedding? <laughs> I, <laughs> no, not for the wedding. But I wore, yeah, I wore a Chinese dress for the reception. I, anyway. So I get compliments from a TSA agent and a flight attendant and a woman chases me through the parking lot to ask me about these pants. And I'm thinking, what is going on with these pants? I don't want to sell pants, but I started putting these pieces together I was like, but if these pants could be the foundation of a business, a social enterprise that could help women coming out of this situation, I would sell pants. So I went on this research trip And I just thought, this is a business model. I I never thought I would go into business. I didn't have any intention of going into starting a business. But this made sense. Like, this would help people. This would change lives. And so I connected with a group that started making the pants. Oh, so we changed the fisherman pants a little bit because they're so baggy. And I thought, well, we changed the pattern. We should probably change the name. So Crea Belly actually comes from creating a beautiful life. Right, so we took lovely. the first parts of all those words and so that's our name for the pants and we started making Criabelli belly pants and a little bit later that center said our ladies are getting amazing opportunities to further their careers and their education which is wonderful I was like this is this is beautiful yeah how and wonderful. then and then the director said and we are no longer snowing so <laughs> <laughs> it's um it was a double-edged sword but but wonderful impact. So all of that said, we don't have any pants right now, but I have connected with another group. We're working on their next set of pants. But in that time, we were, we had centers reaching out to us. I went on research trips. I connected with centers that are providing dignified employment for survivors of trafficking, for survivors of marginalization and employing them. Could they
0: afford, with with the money they were making, could they afford accommodation and food for themselves?
1: Yes. So they're making a good wage. They're provided with services. I mean, some of the people, they get into these centers and they start working there and they don't want to leave. You know, like it would be great to open up space for new survivors. Yeah, But they
0: feel safe, wasn't they? Wanted and felt like they belonged.
1: Yes. Yes. And they're all in different stages but I've been able to visit almost all of the centers and meet some of the survivors. And so we have product from about 15 centers. We've partnered with over 20 centers around the world. We've generated over 25,000 hours of dignified employment. We are selling products at multiple in multiple locations around the country. That's incredible, the- absolutely
0: incredible. But it must be so rewarding for you to know that you're contributing to these these lovely ladies that have been through a terrible time and preventing it in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's just, I I do a presentation, um, five key components of exploitation. And that just, it kind of talks through how this, how dignified employment helps prevent the vulnerabilities, but it also helps with the restoration for those who have been exploited. So we partner with both types of centers because I don't wanna, I don't wanna, if there are people that are vulnerable, then stepping in with dignified employment before they're exploited prevents that whole horrible atrocity. So And the do. you also supply
0: counseling for these ladies though as well, don't you? The centers do. The centers, so we
1: yeah. we partner with centers around the world. So yeah. we have partners in, in probably 10 different countries and they they're providing all sorts of wonderful services for the people so yeah legal services insurance childcare. some of them provide living situations some of them you know it's it's different for every center yeah but
0: but there's um, something in place in most countries that's that's amazing that's really amazing isn't it so what kind of products are you doing now because i'm going to look on your website there's not just these fabulous fisherman pants You've got all sorts of products, haven't you? <laughs> we have all sorts. And of I people.
1: want some fisherman pants. <laughs> I, you know, and I need to just put a list on there. It's with, you know, COVID yeah. upended everything, you know, and the center, the center that I was working with, I don't, I need to just reach out to them and see how they're doing. But um, so many places have been kind of shut down. So we have jewelry, we have scarves, we have bath and body, Uh, we have some amazing leather bags.
0: And these Um, are all made by females that you've helped that have either experienced human trafficking or you've prevented them from being entered into it.
1: Females and males. Yeah, I'm mentioning
0: females a lot, but it is both, isn't it? More recently, both.
1: Right. And, you know, like originally I was talking about the kids in Beijing, that would be more of an example of labor trafficking Yeah. and sex trafficking, labor trafficking, organ trafficking, both of those, all of those are all of them. We think much more of females because of sex trafficking. Males are also included in that, but the labor trafficking often is men. Organ, I would say goes both ways. So it's just those people who are vulnerable. Yeah, to definitely.
0: Just tell us, Dawn, you've got some events coming up. What's going on to, for everyone that can help support Made for Freedom?
1: We, we have a lot of things. One thing that we have heard from people is, okay, how can I get involved? And there's some really easy ways, like just sharing our information, follow, following us on social media, Made for Freedom on almost every platform. Um, that's helpful. Purchasing a product, every time we sell a piece of jewelry or a scarf or a toddler onesie, every time we sell something, it's providing dignified employment. The more we sell, the more jobs are created. And that's as as simple as it gets. For people who want to do even more, we we have a link on our website called Go Deep. And DEEP stands for Dignified Employment Empowers and Protects. And that is a kit that comes with information. It comes with a video. And if you wanted to get together with people and say, you know what, I want to talk to my network. I want to talk to my circle about this. And I want to raise awareness and I want to be part of the solution. And so there's, no, have... there's no more perfect time, is it? Because January. So, yeah, January is nas- in the United States. January is National Human Trafficking Prevention Month. It's National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. It's a lot of words. <laughs> but It's a lot of words. But um, it's, um, you know, people, we talk about human trafficking, and then we think slavery's gone. But that's what it is. It's slavery. It's modern day slavery, human trafficking. But the month of January, we take that month to kind of raise awareness, do what we can to get involved, and... And it's a great opportunity. That's why we put together these deep fashion events so that people could do more.
0: Let's share some facts with with January being such an important month. So key facts and figures about modern slavery and human trafficking worldwide, because it's still going on today all over the world. So people can be trafficked for various forms of exploitation, such as prostitution, forced labor, begging, criminality, domestic servitude, forced marriage,
1: and organ removal. Unbelievable, isn't it? Organ trafficking it's horrible it's horrible it's it's really like in um cambodia it's kind of a huge thing there
0: absolutely heartbreaking do you want to read the second point dawn
1: the face of human trafficking is changing with more children and men falling prey and more victims trapped in forced labor than a decade ago
0: yeah so there's more with more men falling prey because automatically i think we think of women don't we but like you've mentioned before men are falling
1: labor, labor trafficking yeah
0: Okay, so at least 40 million people are victims of modern slavery worldwide, with nearly 25 million trapped in forced labor and about 15 million in forced
1: marriages. Right. And that that number, 40 million is a recent number because they because they recently included those forced marriages. Like the number was much lower. But then when people started seeing kind of that population imbalance I was talking about. Yeah men are buying brides, yeah and against their will uh three quarters are female one in four a child with modern day slavery um most prevalent in africa followed by asia asia and pacific north korea they hold the world's highest rate of slavery
0: yeah so north korea with the world's highest rate of slavery So, and also the bottom one there, human trafficking generates an estimated $150 billion each year in illicit profits for traffickers and slave masters. So
1: it's it's bringing in money for them, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It It is the fastest growing illegal industry. It is probably, last I heard second, most revenue for illegal industries. But I think trafficking has probably stepped into the first place there. And when right. people might be
0: thinking, oh, it's not, it doesn't happen near me. It does happen near you. It's probably happening three doors away. People just don't realize, do they? It's everywhere.
1: Yeah. If you if you type in the name of your city and human trafficking, it's pretty much guaranteed you're going to see an article about something that has happened recently. Yeah.
0: And on your doorstep. Oh, well, Dawn, it's been absolutely eye-opening talking to you today thank you very much for sharing your journey and your story but for our listeners i will put the links on as well when i post the show out so it's january and it's all about human trafficking what's the name of your website and all your social me- media pages in case anyone wants to buy these fabulous
1: pants <laughs> or anything else or anything terrible. else anything else <laughs> um made and i have a special page for for podcast listeners So there's like a special deal with one of our best sellers. It's a necklace. It's the stainless steel bar and has writing on three sides. It says, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly. It's a beautiful piece that is just, it just is a reminder of what we, what Made for Freedom is trying to promote and we all need a little bit more of. But madeforfreedom.com is our website. Made for Freedom on pretty much any social platform will help you find us. Look for the hummingbird.
0: Oh, fabulous. Well, I'll make sure I follow all your pages and see what you're all, what you're all up to. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and Thank all the so best much. for the future with your projects.
1: Thank you so much, Karen. It has been a joy to be here.
0: You've been listening to my podcast, Appetite for Life, also supported by sponsor Dane Bank House Dental Practice, where happiness starts with a smile. Would you like to be a guest on this show? Or maybe you're interested in a sponsorship package. For any further information, you can find me across various social media platforms as Karen Kelly Podcasts or send me an email, Kelly at btinternet.com.